This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm April Vokey, and you are listening to Anchored my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Nick Bowles moved to Dubai from South Africa to chase love. What he didn't expect to find there was an untapped fishery and remarkable life change. Nick is the owner of Ocean Active Charters, Though they operate out of several locations, it was his Dubai fishery that I was scheduled to experience during my trip there in April. I met with Nick at his house and hoped he might answer some of the many questions I had about his newfound home. I was born in the UK, which not many people know, but at an early age we moved to South Africa and I grew up in a place called Amphalosi, which is on the northeast coast of South Africa towards the Mozambique border. Very tropical area, uh, sugarcane farming. I grew up on a farm, hunting, fishing, freshwater fishing for catfish, bream, and saltwater fishing for anything from Spanish max, sailfish, bluefish, uh, bream, anything that I could get my hands on. So, yeah, everything's been pretty much based on uh, fishing outdoors and uh, just enjoying a, a healthy lifestyle. Did your parents fish? Yeah, my uh, father fished um, competitively for South Africa for offshore. My uh, grandfather, on he was a big salmon fisherman in Scotland and Norway. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty much been there. My father's dad, he, he only ever caught one marlin, which he caught up in Mozambique with my dad. And it was 886 pounds off a, uh, <laughs> off a 16-foot boat. That's insane. Yeah, so it's been pretty much in our blood. Where did fly fishing come in? I mean, obviously Scotland had some fly fishing. Yeah, my mom's side is is Norwegian. Yeah, so my grandfather and grandmother moved to South Africa as well. I went to boarding school in 
uh, what you call the Midlands in South Africa, and it was all fresh water. Started uh, fly fishing with my grandfather from about the age of six or seven. It all started out with spit canes, very traditional. He used to wear his tweeds and the whole lot. I obviously just wore my, uh, my T-shirt and shorts and no waders in the mud. And yeah, that's pretty much how, how it started. That's surreal because we're sitting in your tackle room right now. We're actually in Dubai in your tackle room. And I have never seen so many plugs and stick baits and lures and soft plastics in my life in that corner. It looks like you're pretty well-versed from bamboo to big gear. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I'm quite a strong believer in you have some form of knowledge of you know, a wide variety of fishing. I've been extremely lucky that at school, you know, we actually had a fly fishing club. So we used to go out and fly fish on the weekends. We actually had bass dams at school, so we could go pretty much any afternoon and fish there. We used to go home. It was all saltwater fishing with my dad on the boat. When he was tired of me, he would go back in and then I'd fish off the shore. Where we were, basically based, uh, we had rivers and sea, so to be fishing in the rivers for, you know, I think they uh, call it Malaway, which we call it Cobb. So yeah, everything's been sort of a, a journey. Specifically here in Dubai, you know, we can fish for GTs, yellowfin tuna, marlin off the east coast. In Dubai here, we can fish for queenfish, smaller, you know, smaller game fish with plastics, fly. You know, so yeah, pretty much we got the opportunity to be able to fish sort of whatever method we want. And, you know, over the years, just, you know, you go through phases and uh, we really enjoyed, you know, just you sort of, I wouldn't say become a master or something, but you get to somewhere where you think, okay, cool, we need to try something else now. And off we go and make our own rods, make our own plugs, flies, rods, you know, find new places to fish. So we've been extremely lucky to uh, have been where we are. Now, this is usually the point where I start picking at you and trying to figure out what were your siblings like? Were you bullied in school? What's your psychology? But I'm not going to do that to you. Let's just okay, get straight good. to the Because there's lots of problems there. <laughs> well, how old are you, Nick? Uh, 42, coming up uh, next month. Oh, my God, you're really young. Yeah, it, uh, the sun's been hard, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, no, we've been extremely lucky to have done what we've done. There wasn't nothing else really in this region and opened up an opportunity, you know, 15, 13, 14 years ago. Okay, so how did how did we get here? Let's let's okay. just start with how we'll we got here. We'll take a step back. Did you did you guide in South Africa or have a guiding operation? No. So obviously our family's always been extremely outdoors, fishing, um, every holiday, boats. So everything's always been boat based. Everything's been fishing based. When I arrived in Dubai, the the whole story basically started that I worked for an advertising agency. I built a website and did a logo because uh, there was no information here on fishing. There was very limited information. Um, there was a lot of sailfish that were caught in Dubai. How did you know there were fish here to even start with? Well, just looked at it. It was warm ocean, so it was a case of, um, yeah, there's got to be fish. <laughs> there's a lot more. I was, I was actually living in London, and I moved, I moved to Dubai. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, took a job with Emirates. So that's how I've ended up here. All clicking. Okay. So you meet Michelle. She starts working with Emirates, and that brings you out here. So prior to that, you hadn't. It's not like you'd seen it somewhere that there was fishing here. No, I I can't. I can't claim that. And uh, yeah, pretty much what we've done is all organic. It's all fallen into our laps to some extent. Just being, you know, South African, same as you know, Australians, Kiwis. There, it's all seems to be uh, adventurous and. 
you know, you look at a chart and say, oh, look at this great water and reefs and let's go and see it. And that's sort of how it started. And because no one else was doing it yet, well, I, I, there were a couple other people doing um, like fishing for sailfish, a guy called Andy DeMare, who was, uh, I fished with a lot in the early days and learned a lot from him. So there have been a few other people that have done sports fishing, but uh, no one specialist on popping, jigging, fly fishing, which we've sort of focused a lot on, on the last few years. So we pretty much just started fishing catching fish and like, oh this is great this has uh, got potential and we didn't know how to necessarily set up a charter business or how to run boats you know you know there obviously there's a, a few procedures that you've got to go through where we live and obviously respect is a big thing and you know we had to get accepted by the local fishermen in places like Musandam and southern Oman and Kuriamuria Islands which took a long time to do and we just knocked away at it slowly and you know, through that we learned a lot. We made mistakes, and um, you know, but generally everything was more positive. And you know, when people started accepting us and seeing that we weren't going to go away, but we were actually, you know, giving a little bit back by hiring people, by releasing fish, and not sort of taking everything and not giving back. It took a while, but we consider most of the people in those areas our friends, and you know, we get out on the water and share information and have a cold drink uh, with each other out on the boat talking some tactics. So yeah, it's it's been a long journey. Yeah. Okay, can we paint a picture for my listener about Dubai? Yeah. Where, okay, let's, I'm not going to feel silly about this. A lot of people don't know the, it's UAE, right? Yeah. What does that stand for? United? United Arab Emirates. The United Arab Emirates is made up of seven emirates, which is uh, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Sharjah, Ajman, Emil Quain, Russell Kamer, and Fajira. All of them have a ruling family. Obviously, the rulers of each emirate make up, which I believe is called the Supreme Council, and that makes the decisions for the country. So United Arab Emirates is the country, and the ruler of Abu Dhabi is the president, which is uh, Sheikh Khalifa. The ruler of Dubai, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, is um, the deputy president and general of the armed forces. But then each emirate of the seven have a ruling family. But together, obviously, the emirates is ruled with the, I do believe it's called the Supreme Council, but I could uh, possibly have that wrong. This is incredible. It's just, it's very, very foreign for a lot of people, myself included. Yes. Okay. Can we talk a little bit about the country before we go into the fishing? Um, Yeah, definitely a development and and that. You know, we've lived here for 15 years and uh, it's become our home and we are extremely lucky. We have clients pretty much from all over the world because of Emirates and Etihad. And this is basically a hub between south, north, east, west. Pretty much everyone comes through here at some stage. You have the perfect location as a saltwater destination because... I've, I've flown through here a lot. I had no idea there was fishing here. I actually felt really silly <laughs> to find out all those trips, and I, I've never found you. Yeah, I think it's um, it, the general consensus of a lot of people that fish like yourself and you know have fished in so many great destinations and you know built up such an amazing reputation that it's nice that we can see and offer something that's slightly different. And when you think of this region, or obviously um, there's a whole wide spectrum of you know emotions towards it. Um, certainly from our side, as I've travelled through all the GCC countries, and I've had a fantastic time, and you know I've fished a lot, and specifically Dubai. We've had both our children here. We've you know we we arrived here at a young age, thinking we're only going to be here for three to five years, and. You know, after eight years and having a kid and we're like, yeah, this is our home and extremely safe. You know, we don't lock cars. You know, we walk down the street. We live in a 
what's considered most probably a, a local area and we've got boats parked outside we've you know we get invited to all the weddings you know we you know during ramadan everyone brings us uh, food during christmas we take gingerbread men and everything to the neighbors and it's truly a phenomenal place to to live what we love is showing dubai how how it's grown, how there's something here for everyone. I think you summed it up brilliantly, and sorry, I must probably steal your line here. It's an adult's um, Disneyland. It really is. Um, yeah. And it's a kid's Disneyland as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Legoland, you've got IMG World, you've you know, you've got so many different things that can be done here. If you get bored in Dubai, then you're going to be bored anywhere. There's an indoor ski hill. There's yeah. skydiving. There are safaris. There's fishing obviously there's the most incredible architecture in the world in my opinion i've never seen anything quite like it the fastest cars everybody's so civilized it doesn't seem like there's crime right everybody is polite i mean am i seeing this right yeah 100 percent. i mean obviously for for us we we see it every day so we don't generally notice it all the time and i love seeing it through clients' eyes. Mm-hmm. Because like you see all the wonders and you go, Wow, look at this, you know, wow, look at the sky diving, you know, we're busy fighting a fish and people are dropping out of the sky, you know, right next to you and you know people stop fishing. I'm like, ah, oh, keep the pressure, keep the pressure. <laughs> you know, so it, it's it's truly wonderful. The other thing is golf. You know, I've got a lot of golfers that come and play with us and you you literally choose the events that you want to go. But the cool part is that You've got so many tourists, people coming here to watch those events, to experience all of this. And for us, is we offer you know the fly fishing side of it. And if someone wants to come and fly fish, all we need is like a couple of hours in the morning, and you know that's hard work. So it sort of has fallen into our laps. But obviously, we've grabbed it with both hands and tried to develop it as much as possible. And you know we've had an amazing amount of support from federal departments here, from individual decision makers, and it's quite refreshing to see something that's not a traditional way of catching fish or doing something being accepted and and allowing us to develop it alongside sort of the more conventional ways of fishing. What about the traditional way of fishing for the Emiratis? How did they fish traditionally or how do they fish traditionally? Obviously a lot of how I understand it is from my perception and what I've experienced here. Um, Dubai is a sort of it formed around the creek, which is was all based on trading, fishing, pearl diving. There were obviously Bedouin, you know, um, with animals, and there, there was this sort of mix of Bedouin and you know people fishing in the sea, people of the sea. So, um, what is a Bedouin? Bedouin uh, was uh, traditionally, I suppose, nomads, where you know, in the desert, setting up encampments as per the seasons, moving around camels, goats, uh, donkeys. That was the traditional way of land-based living. And then you had people of the sea, which was pearl diving, fishing, trading. Um, And that pretty much, as far as I understand it, and I like to explain it to clients, is how Dubai sort of started forming. And so everything that was formed here was basically formed, as far as I like to think of it, is on hard work. And people respected the land, respected the sea, and I still see that very strongly to this day. And you take away some of the glitz and glamour of Dubai, which it certainly is in, you know, what the part of Dubai that I really and truly like and um, you know, I I want other people to see is that older heritage of the sea. You go down to our our marina where we have the boats, you see all the local fishermen. Um last week I went out with a gentleman, Mr Ahmed Majid, who 
he's 80 years old, took me out on his DAO and some of the guys that we're working with and we pulled uh, some traps, which they called like our ghouls, and you know, we, there was a big cobia in there. We took the cobia back to you know, the local market, had it cleaned, had it cooked traditionally, and you know, we all had a meal with it. And that, to be honest, was probably better than catching most of the queen fish that I've caught. So that heritage is still here. It's still strong. People are extremely proud. And it took us, certainly myself, a while to understand it a bit and you know, respect it. And as soon as that started happening, all these doors sort of started opening, you know, fishermen inviting you onto their boat, uh, having tea, you know, just these small things. And what amazes me is no matter what region you are, no matter what type of fisherman you are, there's a common bond. Even we don't speak the same language and, you know, you can sit and have a meal and talk and, and that's pretty much what we've done throughout this region. That's sort of what's kept us here and you know, kept us going and just knowing that, uh, yeah, it's a pretty special place. What do the locals think about you and Catch or Release? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, sustainability and education is, is a big part of what we try and do. Um, there's always more that you can do. But releasing fish when local fishermen in remote areas have not understood why you're releasing fish. You know, at the end of it, we've sort of explained, you know, why we're releasing fish, what we're doing, and it has been generally accepted. There's been some great developments in, in Dubai specifically for sustainability with uh, catch sizes, seasons, like we get um, a couple of very popular fish, which is a sherry, which is a spangled emperor, hamwer, which is a, a brown or orange spot grouper, which are extremely tasty, obviously targeted a lot. Um, so now they actually put seasons in place where... Oh. Yeah, which is amazing. And uh, also as a, um, not a commercial fisherman, we obviously a charter operation. Along with pleasure operations, you can't actually keep more than 20 kilos of fish. And you get checked now where never before was that the case. So Dubai is definitely pushing the boundaries from what I've seen in this region on you know, sustainability, education and that. And we, we obviously try to push our side as well where you know catch and release, especially to our clients. We'll keep one or two for the pot, you know, because I think that's also important to know how to look after fish. You know, you you catch a, a good fish, you bring it home, you cook it. Your kids uh, actually understand that fish comes from the sea and uh, not from a, a supermarket in a labelled packet. So there's always more that can be done, especially the rural areas when we fish in Amman and that we do run into troubles releasing fish because. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're yeah. the guys, you know, they want to keep it, they want to sell it, they want to make some money from it. But, yeah, that's, uh, it's come a long way since we've been here, and we, we're pretty proud to have played a minor part in that. Yeah, a huge part. <laughs> okay, so you come here, you start your advertising. And yeah. at that point, were you thinking, I'm going to be a charter operator? Were you planning on doing all the guiding? Where was your head at? You know, you, you've got to you've got to set yourself up properly in Dubai because it's uh, you know you know with visas with licensing with that. So, what was the biggest complication for you? Um, we made a lot of mistakes, which people have learned from. You know, types of boats, types of equipment, hiring people, training. It, it definitely has become a community now. You know, we have a, a f annual fishing competition now, which is part of the World Championships and uh, based out of Fajira, which guys have actually done it, putting their own own money in. A, a, guy, a friend of ours, uh, Karim uh, Debus, and, you know, he's uh, he's sunk some money in. And so everyone's, a lot of people have played their part. So I tend to sort of shy away from... Uh, 
you know, we've discovered something, we've, we've highlighted it maybe because the sea is for everyone. We, we don't own it. You know, we all should share it. And as long as there's respect on it, everyone gets on. There's uh, obviously a lot of issues on the, and off the water between uh, individuals and people and all that. But, you know, that's, that's just the way it is with anything, I suppose. But that's pretty indicative of you. I mean, I've fished with you now for two days. And, and even when I met you in Orlando, you're very open-minded. And it feels like, obviously, you're a gentleman, which is strange because you are South African, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, guys. So, but, half Norwegian, maybe that's where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you just, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, anyone who's listening to this, that's not lip service. You are, you're one of the most polite people I've ever fished with actually it seems like you're just really respectful of everybody around you and, and the people who live here yeah no I appreciate that and it wasn't always that way I suppose um, you know as, <laughs> as a as a youngster guarding and having all this opportunity and all these fish and you know all this recognition pretty quickly it does get to your head and you know we thought oh, we're going to take over the the world type scenario as, as people do um, I realize you can't do everything so we prefer to work with people and have a little slice of a lot of things as opposed to a big slice of one thing. I, I always sort of refer to it as um, on the sea, you're always going to need help. You're going to have an engine break, you're going to have a problem. So if you don't respect other people or actually fish with other people, and even if you don't like them, you might need their help at some stage and they'll need your help. And you know, it's going to be a bit awkward if you sort of sinking and the only boat coming past is uh, someone that you don't talk to. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it, is, uh, it is that. And, I mean, uh, I really love my guys that I work with and they work hard and we're not a traditional fishery. You know, you get temperatures of 45 degrees Celsius, 100% humidity, which I think is maybe 110 Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah, so the guys work hard and, you know, if you, know, you don't treat them too well, it's, it's going to show on the boat. Now, are all of your days kind of 6 a.m. till about 11? Yeah, off, off Dubai. I mean, we, we run three different operations. So specifically, Dubai is um, what I like to call the gentleman's fishing. It's actually a strange thing. You couldn't actually script it better on how the fishing works here. So our prime target is queenfish, which mm. is the Talang queenfish. Um, we get a couple of other smaller species of queenfish here as well. They pretty much are year-round. I mean, perfect fly fishing species. They blitz on the surface. It's all visual fishing that we're doing, sight casting like at They fish. were taking right beside the boat. <laughs> they were taking poppers. I couldn't let my fly hang in the water because they were smashing it. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here with you right now. Look, my hands are still shaking. <laughs> I've never seen so many fish. Just yeah. everywhere. And there were big ones. There were small ones. There were ones on poppers. There were ones on clausers. There were just... They're everywhere. It's quite an amazing fishery. And again, not many people know about it. And you know, not to sound you know, too arrogant or anything, but it, it is very rare that we will skunk. And normally quite confident if the conditions are right, you know, you're not having a big wind or you know, raining or something, which does happen, yeah, that will get people onto fish and get them a shot. And I think that's pretty rare unless you go to one of the great destinations like Seychelles or Bahamas or something like that. And, you know, we we obviously building this to be a, a top-notch destination with the helps of Dubai tourism and amongst others. But I think the, the, the main thing that's happened in Dubai is it's the biggest man-made reefs have been built in the world. Yeah, can we talk about that? Yeah. I, at one stage, I worked for Nikhil, running the marine operations on uh, Palm, Jebelali and the waterfront. Our department was part of the environment department. So I got a lot of inside, not information, uh, experience on what was happening. And yeah, development's development. You know, you if you've got a, something that's never had anything on and you put something on, yes, it's going to change. And But what's happened here, I suppose, which in a, is a very 
rare case to some extent is it's enhanced the environment. I'd go as far as saying tenfold from from what I've seen. As I said, you know, I'm sure there's lots of people that say different, but we're on the water every day. I've dived most of the breakwaters here. Um, we used to fish 20 miles out, 14 miles out, fish wrecks off Dubai, where now we really go more than five miles out because, the, I mean, they've built Palm Dera, the World Islands, Palm Jumeirah, Palm Jebelali, Waterfront, um, a few smaller islands. So, and anyone who hasn't seen these has like you've got to Google this. You got to Google it. What are they? What are they going to Google? The Palm Islands? Uh, I'd say just Google Dubai. Okay. Um, And you know, (laughs) you see the the channels and uh, Google Maps. Just have a look at it, and you know, you look at all the palms, look at all the structure. The currents are channeled, so the water quality is is amazing. Is that on purpose? I don't know whether it's on purpose or not, but it's happened. It worked um, out great. Cause it it's worked out phenomenal. Yeah. When we're out there, we're seeing all these man-made islands. Yeah. And you're saying that all of that man-made structure yeah. has created coral buildup. Is that about right? Yeah. I mean, well, obviously on the outside of all the islands is armor rock. Um, on the inside, you've got beaches. You've got shallow water. There's so many different things that happen, which, uh, which uh, I'll explain a few, which really appealed to me, is you've got the biggest nurseries ever made where small fish can you know grow feed um great water temperature great clarity you know obviously these huge mega shoals of bait fish start moving out of the likes of the palm islands the world islands the bigger fish are there to feed on them then you've got all this armor rock on the outside where you know all the coral and you know, everything grows and filters the water you've got you know habitat for grouper for smaller fish to hide you know we get kingfish in you know spanish mackerel in 3 4 meters of water you get the queen fish you get so we're actually not fishing outside of the palms we're fishing right against the coast so you've got all these big skyscrapers you've got the burj al arab you've got burj khalifa you've got dubai marina you've got atlantis and i mean we've seen all of that in in just a couple of hours and um all these fish are basically bait fish are coming out and of course the the bigger fish are drawn in and with the inshore fishery there's uh, not much commercial fishing happening inshore and you know it's restricted and and so you've got this environment where you've got unlimited bait fish and you've pretty much got unlimited uh, game fish with it you know we've got a lot of different species as well which are you know have, have made this their home there are quite a few that are seasonal but generally the fish are here year round now where that wasn't the case before so in my opinion, like you wouldn't have all of these this fish if you had an unhealthy environment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
not to be controversial or you know speak out of a turn or anything but in in my I wouldn't have set up a business targeting and spent so much time promoting it and you know just enjoying it if I didn't think that environment was was to- truly amazing so yeah I mean we we uh, really love what's happened here you know we fish amongst amazing structures and amazing developments and you know we're catching fish right on the doorstep there where you can literally cast onto Palm Island and catch a queen fish. What was the story you were telling me about doing coral transfer? Yeah, so um, when you know this is going back into middle of the two thousands, we, um, you know, I was working as part of Nikhil, and it was uh, coral gardens that needed to be relocated. And if I remember correctly, it was about twelve thousand corals that uh, we moved, and actually moved them onto some of the breakwaters and created a, a coral garden as well out in, in Jebel Ali side. Um, we worked with an NGO called uh, EMEG, Emirates Marine Environment Group, and uh, it's just amazing that you know so much care was taken to actually move corals and, I mean, everything just blossomed. So you go to Palm Jebel Ali on, on sort of the west side is 100% coral. I haven't been there for a while to, to admit, but um, this is going back most probably seven, eight years, where, and we dive along there, and it's it's truly amazing. There's a lot of development, a lot of, um, I suppose, activities that go quite unnoticed. Uh, fish releases, you get a, a predator bream here called the sabati bream, which became pretty rare. You know, the government does fish releases of it to, you know, in different areas to build up the population, you know, obviously with uh, restrictions coming in, you know, so the the, the environment is, is really starting to get well looked after here, and, um you know, as more people come here, more people enjoy, you know, fishing here, diving, you know, even if it's just in a hotel, you can be sitting in Atlantis looking out. I mean, we were we were looking for fish right in front of Atlantis and you can see all the marine life. We get a lot of uh, dolphins coming in, especially like humpback dolphins that are actually resident around the, the palms and in the palms. Uh, we've had whale sharks come through. Uh, this time of year, we get a lot of uh, turtles, which they still nest along the coast here, um, green turtles. Um, we get little hawks bulls coming in, uh, sea snakes, you know. So you go a kilometer off the coast and you're literally in a whole total different world. And we, we love referring to it as uh, urban fly fishing and yeah. urban fishing. <laughs> it is. Because it really is. I mean, you you can go, come out three, four hours, go back in, you know, have lunch at your hotel, go shopping in the afternoon, and it's uh, pretty much must be one of the ultimate places to to do what I like to frame you know, urban fly fishing. I don't know if that is a actual word, but um, yeah, well, I think <laughs> we, you'd be mad to have a trip and be going to the Seychelles, for example, and not stopping here for a day. Exactly, and um, you know our, our conditions are generally very calm. And again, this a lot of this fell into our lap. It wasn't by design. It was you know we knew people like the Alphonse guys, you know Keith Rosinus, and you know, the guys from Tourette, Yellow Dog. Where I mean, are my these guys? I mean, these guys are trailblazers, and you know, and we start talking, and the guys are like, oh, we have clients coming through Dubai all the time. Mm-hmm. So I sort of sat and thought, well, do they want to come and fish? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, the um, American market, which is become a very big part of our business and you know flying a long way going to Seychelles Tanzania Sudan Andaman Lakshadweep Maldives wherever it may be all these great destinations that we have within 4 hours of where where we're sitting now but you're flying 14 hours 13 hours so you fly like land into Dubai you fly flown Emirates great airline you know they'll sort out hotels or you know there's so much choice and option here 
and you know you spend two two days downtime. You don't even have to unpack your gear. You know we uh, we've got some great backers and sponsors that have uh, helped us with equipment. So you get onto the boat, you got world class equipment. You don't need to unpack your rods. You go and stretch a few lines. You get over your jet lag. So by the time you get to the the main course, which is uh, what you've flown all this way for, you you you've got your cast down. You know. Yeah, that's you, true. You, Climatized, you got used to the heat, and um, yeah, then you just makes it so much better. And all the feedback we get is, "Are we going to do that again? Or are we <laughs> going to come back?" And we, and it, it makes it accessible. And what we like is, we're not a we're not an end destination. We 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 are a value add destination. Mm-hmm. If you're coming here on business, you can come and fish in the morning and do your meeting in the afternoon. You're coming to play a sport. You transiting through to another destination. You're going fishing. So, yeah, we've we've uh, built up a great. Uh, a great base of friends, we like to call it, of people that come through, travel, fish with us, go and have a meal, you know, and, it, and it's easy for us and it's easy for them, you know, and that, and that's the, the cool part of it. How far out do you have to go to get those enormous giant trevally? <laughs> yeah, the, the GTs are obviously, um, those are something that's uh, boggled our brain for many years and we've chased them all over the world. And from where we sit at the moment, we got, uh, you can go through to Oman, which is uh, Musandam on the Arabian Peninsula. Or uh, fly down to southern Oman, uh, fish the Korea Moria or Halaniat Islands, um, and that's about an hour 45 flight and a three-hour drive. Oh. So pretty much um, there's a lot of amazing fishing very close. Um, I've never seen such big jeets in my life. Yeah. No, they, they, the, average, the average down in southern Oman is, is about 38 kilos. Um, the average. Yeah, the average. They're pretty much pit bulls of the reef. I've got a couple of questions for you about... Dubai itself, if that's okay. okay. There's just been a couple of, or there's been a handful of things that have really thrown me off mm-hmm. uh, in a good way. It's exciting because I really, I knew Dubai was advanced and I knew it was forward thinking from a business stance. Yep. But I mean, it sounds like the, they do things a lot different here. So you had said to me that there's no tax. You don't get taxed here. Yeah, I mean, Dubai is, is um, obviously it's a very strong expat community. You know, Sheikh Mohammed, his harness is a visionary on what he's actually done. You know, he's respected worldwide and certainly extremely respected here. And what's been made possible here is, is incredible. It's truly an amazing place to live. And, you know, a lot of people do come and have a preconceived opinion of Dubai and some don't. And But everyone leaves here going, wow, you know, that's it's truly an amazing place. You know, we've grown to understand a small amount of the culture and heritage and you know and that's also one of the things that keeps us here what were the top five things that really surprised you when you decided to move here or after you moved here um oh there's been a lot and uh, <laughs> i suppose you it's like you grow and you know you still think you're 20 when you're 40 you know it's uh, it's one of those things that you don't always look up and appreciate where you are what's happened um i mean for me yeah, uh, there's too many. I suppose it's just well, it's well, actually just living here, which has been uh, <laughs> which has been an eye opener. And you know, you know things like these amazing golf courses that have come out of nowhere, and you know, you you play on them, and you like, how has this happened? You know, yeah. you could be anywhere in the world. You know, and uh, the Palm Islands. Um, you know, I had a, a very minor part to play in some of it, and you know, you're proud of it. And you look at it, and you know, I think a very big part of Dubai and people here is is pride that's the you know the part that we like here is um there's there's uh, you feel safe and you can do pretty much uh, a lot of things just a couple of things that i've that i have noticed around here that i did not expect so i had expected to have to wear a burqa i guess is that what it is yeah um so obviously i get this question a lot 
Dubai, you can dress pretty much how you want, but again, it comes down to respect. Yeah. So you can go to the beach, you can wear baggies and a bikini. Um, but if you're walking off the beach, you know, you dress uh, cover up. Uh, if you go to a mall, uh, because you've got to consider that Dubai is an open society where you've got everyone from all over here. So you don't, I mean, same as you don't want to be offended, you don't want to offend anyone else. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, as I always suggest, um, you go to the mall, you know, you wear pants, um, cover shoulders. Um, you know, if you're going into a traditional sook, um, you know, maybe ladies just to put a, a scarf over the head, not, uh, you know, nothing more than that. It's not, you have to, again, it comes down to respect thing and uh, cultures and, you know, and I feel if you travel and you live somewhere else, wherever you're going, you respect it. So totally. if you're going somewhere where you run around in baggies all day, then so be it. It just feels really balanced. From a conservation stance, what's going on down here and, and how are you involved? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, conservation side is always something that we grew up with live having a lot of game farms around us um animals hunting taking what you can use um you know so it, that's always been in our family life and growing up has, has been part of us so you know there's quite a lot that has happened over the years initially you know i suppose we sort of fished a lot of areas saw a lot of things but conservation wise is Obviously, seasons coming in, tagging programs. We're doing fin clippings for GTs. Um, and, and which department would that be for down over here? Um, so, uh, what do you mean? Like, is there a department of environment? Is there? Um, no. So basically, for the fin clippings, and that is for a research uh, program in South Africa that uh, someone's doing a lady's doing a doctorate, and we we're pretty much helping with it to try and understand better where our fish here come from from a local point of view here um you know things like fish releases that we've been involved with um you get um you know the fisheries association various different departments ngos like nikhil is a developer they've done a lot of environment programs and that as well where we've been involved to some extent um along the way over the years but um yeah it's it's also one of those um one of those things that trying to get clients involved trying to get a mindset right which uh you know we, we you know that the thing is every little bit counts type thing does does happen um to simple things like throwing fishing line in the water picking up bottles plastics and when people see you do it yeah, it's like oh why are you doing that and you know it's just a case of you know do your bit on what you can um so yeah we we try and we try and fit in with the with the local community and you know the local departments on on what we do um we've done beach cleanups and you know it's just pretty much what comes along and and we can help with i think the big thing is to try and pass it on to clients on it's not just about fishing it's um obviously some form of respect of what you're fishing for so the queen fish are very dear and near to us so you know we um you know we see things that are not we don't sort of think are are good you know you, you try and highlight it and, and try and protect when i had booked my trip here i'd reached out to dubai tourism who is actually going to sponsor this podcast they've been excellent to work with i actually felt really stupid because the woman i was i was speaking to or corresponding with is named hawa yes hawa yeah. and she's like let's arrange a phone call and so i get on the phone i'm like hello my name is april is this hawa you know i, I didn't know and she's like i'm from south africa you know you can talk normally to me. 
<laughs> they were fantastic yeah. to work with. They were absolutely yeah. excellent. So have you been doing a lot of work with them? Yeah, we've done a huge amount to work with them. And um, yeah, Dubai Tourism made a lot of what we do possible and obviously sitting here with you possible. So Dubai is extremely proud of you know, obviously what they've developed here. So, But also it's got to be managed, I suppose, and there's so much happening. And, you know, dealing with Dubai Tourism has been... Um, yeah, I've been truly amazing. Nick, you've got a flight to catch, so I'm going to let you get to your life here. <laughs> thank you very much for the last couple of days, and thank you very much for explaining Dubai to me and the listeners. Totally been my pleasure. We've had a fantastic time, and I really, really do appreciate you coming and fishing with us and uh, sharing our experiences and um, helping in a way to promote us as well. And, uh, you know, it's great that we have people like yourself that recognize Dubai and um, yeah we just had a fantastic time and uh, thank you thank you and I'll tell you a secret yep if I didn't totally believe in this fishery and in your operation we wouldn't be having this conversation uh, so you don't go. have to thank me <laughs> thank you for being kick ass I appreciate it and that concludes this episode of Anchored be sure to tune in next week as I sit down with my good friend Nicole Darland and she sets the record straight on well everything fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. Through the Blackwater Bayous, and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.